go. So, all right, well, let's dive in. Let's dive in this morning. Uh, for the past eight months, again, we have been what I would call laying a foundation, right? So it's been a trans. This is a transition moment for us because for the last eight months we have been investing into what I'm calling formation, formation, the idea of laying the groundwork for our fall study in the book of Acts. Everything we've studied for the last eight months has been intentional as preparation for this moment, for the purpose of your formation, the purpose of first going after putting Jesus first. Remember we talked about that like for the first, I don't know, four, about four months, Jesus first. The idea that in every area of your life and everything that's going on, that you would die to idols, right? That you would die to distractions, that you would put Jesus first and all of those. And then we talked about actions that you could give yourself to. We talked, they're called spiritual disciplines, right? We said these are arrows that you can pull out of your quiver. You can shoot them and by shooting them, they'll place you into the presence of Jesus. And as we said earlier, by putting yourself into the presence of Jesus, the presence of Jesus itself changes you. And so we want to be people who allow the grace of God to flow in us, to move in us as we put Jesus first in our lives, put ourselves into his presence and allowed him to change us. Then we talked about from Acts 1.8, it says when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be empowered, right? You'll be empowered. And then we talked about what does it mean to be empowered? What exactly is the power of God and what exactly is it for us? And the idea, we said, if you were a follower of Jesus and the Holy Spirit now resides in you, that you have been empowered in the same way that Jesus was to do the things that Jesus did. You are capable of being Jesus wherever you go because of the Holy Spirit's power inside of you. And we talked through that and what that means and the boundaries for that and the limitations or lack thereof, right? That God's Spirit is empowered. Empowered you to do the things that Jesus did. And then we did a little mini-series, so that's great. You know all of these things about yourself, and you can know all these truths about yourself, but don't forget you have the mind of Christ, right? Because you can know all these things but never step into them because in your mind you know they're here, but you've also allowed other things of the world to pollute your mind. Lies of the enemy, fear and worry and anxiety and doubt and performance and rejection, all of these things can literally keep us from engaging the things that are true about you. And so we talk about the mind of Christ and engaging the mind of Christ and what that means and how it applies. So all of this has been formation, intentional, then to go into our false study in Acts, which is all about activation. Right? Formation leads to activation. Like, every time you step into a job, what do you do for your first two weeks? Yes, you onboard the time of formation, learning and trying to get acclimated and connecting to things, right? And then once you do that, then you're activated into your role. Listen, College football, praise God, started yesterday. Can I get an amen, right? It's like, it's about time, man. Poor Navy, my gosh, right? And so this is getting annihilated by this over there by Notre Dame, those mean guys. But anyway, it's like I'm sitting here watching this and going, they spent all this time in fall camp in formation, right? In formation. And formation then leads to, like for the, for the dogs next week, activation, Right, for your team and activation, taking everything they've learned and step into everything they've learned, now putting it into action. We're formed for activation. That's what this study is all 
about. So in this, again, we focused on it. And and in studying Acts, we're doing it because in telling the story of the early church, in telling and reading the story of the early church, we see their moments, their first moments of activation, right? And the work of God that happened through them. Or think about it, the Gospels are all about their formation, It's all about coming under the discipleship of Jesus, right? Them giving their lives to following him. We see this moment of formation and transformation. We see this empowerment of God's spirit. And then we see in early Acts them being released. And what are they released to do? To form the church. To take steps and take everything that they've watched, everything that they've learned, and put them into action. Press pause. One of the things you have to begin to engage with the mind of Christ is that you've been empowered not to live, not to live continually only being formed, but you've been empowered to be activated. Are you continually being formed? Absolutely. But the reality is we don't sit over here and say, I'm just going to learn and learn and learn. Listen, I love Bible studies. But if all we ever do is give ourselves to the next Bible study and never actually live for Jesus, engaging the things we've been taught from the Bible, then we're wasting our time. Being a Christian doesn't mean I read my Bible and pray every morning and try to keep myself out of sin all day long. Being a Christian means I get to be with Jesus to then walk out my door and put into action everything he said is true about me. Activation. That's why we're reading the book of Acts, because Jesus left. We're going to look at it in a couple of weeks. Jesus left, left them. They're like, what do we do? Well, let's go do what we did with Jesus. Let's go pray. Let's go seek God and let's wait for his empowerment. And then all of a sudden they get up in chapter 2 and proclaim the gospel, put into action. And the rest of the story is a story of activation. My hope in reading a story of activation, my hope in reading a story of movement and action is that all of a sudden we embrace it and said, I've been formed. Now, God, put me into activation, put me into action. And God, may I be that person who is now forming the church in the same way I see them forming the church. That's the hope. It's for all of us, all of us, to be activated and to put ourselves in that place of engaging what is already true about us. In our study, we will only look at the first seven, only look at only the first seven chapters of Acts. That's going to cover the first one or two years of the early church, right? We're going to look at the Acts chapter 1 through 7. We're going to go through it and see how we can be activated. This morning, I'm going to do an overview. We're going to do an overview this morning and in two weeks. Because next week is Labor Day, our Labor Day picnic. This week, I'm going to do an overview. It's not going to be thorough. It's going to be quick of Acts chapter 8 all the way into 28, right? That is a lot of good stuff going on there, right? I'm going to do a quick flyover. I'm going to do some generalities and some themes that I see here because I want you to begin to see is the first one to two years of their formation and activation then led to the rest like 30 years of ministry over here, right? And so I want you to know these pieces. I want you to begin to see some of the expression of it. Again, I'm not doing 
doing a deep dive. I'm not doing it justice. I know that. So I'm asking for grace that you would recognize that. But we will do a much deeper dive into Acts chapter 1 through 7 in upcoming weeks. So with that being in mind, I want to read to us the transition story, the transition story from Acts chapter 7, starting in verse 59, going through to chapter 8, verse 8. Have your Bibles. You can follow along. If not, you can check on the screen as I, as I read. It says this. And they, these were the Jews who were coming after Christians, and they were stoning Stephen. He called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. I love the heart of Stephen. It's powerful. I'll be honest with you. I'm not sure I could have said that. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul, who we later know as Paul, Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen, made great lamentations over him. But Saul was ravaging the church. That's a powerful statement. But Paul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed, so there was much joy in that city. I want you to know very quickly, I'm just going to just paint this picture for you, I'm going to do zero unpacking of it. My own personal story of verse 7 and 8 is I've seen all of this. I've watched as unclean spirits come out of people and they shriek loudly. I've seen it in the States and I've seen it outside of the States, right? I've seen as people have been miraculously healed who were paralyzed and lame, healed. It's undone every time it happens, every time God moves supernaturally. What I want you to hear me say is I read this. I'm not reading as a story from history of something that's super glad that we cheer about and celebrate. It's something that I believe is proactive and active today. And God is still moving in these ways. Why? Because I've seen these things. And so I believe why he still loves the people who were lame and paralyzed, and why wouldn't he still want to heal them today? I believe that God in the moment takes those who are demonically oppressed, and he still wants to set them free. He hasn't changed. He is an unchanging God. He desires to set his people free all the time. I love that he did it through a human being like you. Again, all I'm trying to connect you with this is not a story from past. This is a story that tells us about our present. They were activated. We've been activated. So as we go through these things again, I'm going to sum up them. These some, chapter eight through twenty-eight. Going to throw out some themes. Is it an exhaustive theme expression? Absolutely not. Are there deeper things and more things? Yes. You could cover fifteen more things. I'm just going to cover several this morning. Things that I find value in from myself and for where I think we are at Vintage. First, these verses eight through twenty. Excuse me. Uh, chapter seven here, fifty-nine through eight-eight. These verses represent the fulfillment of Jesus' prophetic statement. 
from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. These verses represent the fulfillment of Jesus' prophetic statement from Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8 says this, But you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And look what it says. It's super interesting. And then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Acts 1-7. through 7. All Judea and Samaria like starts in chapter 8 and then to the end of the earth, which is all the way through chapter 28. Right? So what I want you to see here is in our section we're going to be studying just this morning and looking at briefly, it really is the Judea-Samaria to the ends of the earth section. What I want you to begin to see here is this. This was a period of one or two years in Acts 7, both the stoning of Stephen and the persecution of the church expressed in Saul ravaging the church in verse 3. The church is scattered. Scattered first throughout Judea and Samaria in verse 1. This is what's known as the Great Dispersion, the Diaspora, the Great Dispersion. You get in a little sort of studying church history. This is the primary piece, right? It's super interesting. Some theologians will sit back and tell you, I'm not, they said, I'm not sure if the church would have ever made it without the Great Dispersion. I'm not sure the church would have actually made it without persecution because by nature people wanted to stay in Jerusalem. Nobody was leaving. It was so exciting and energizing here. They didn't want to leave. It's the nature of human beings. Something great happens. You never want to leave it, right? But something great is happening when the Great Dispersion happens. What happens? All of these people outside of the apostles, then empowered by God's Spirit, then are sent out starting. And we see the story here with Philip starting a Samaria. Mary and Judea, going all the way to the ends of the earth. You could say that the great dispersion was the greatest thing that ever happened to the formation of the church. This begins to begin to shape some of our theology then around persecution, hardship, and difficulties in a life we're going to look at here in a second. The great dispersion fulfilled the prophetic statement of Jesus and began the missionary work of God's people. Began the missionary work of God's people. It's just good for us to have this grid and understanding. Second, and these are kind of point two and three, we see where hardships, difficulties, and persecution never hinder God from fulfilling his word in our lives. I want you to see that because I think some of you immediately can apply this to something going on in your life, right? So I was writing this down like, God, I feel like God was saying this applies to someone here. We see where hardships, Difficulties and persecution never hinder God from fulfilling his words in our lives. Some of you need to hear that today. Here at the beginning, the church is growing, right? The church is thriving. It's successful. They're experiencing massive breakthrough, incredible ministry fruit in their lives. The church is alive and thriving. And then all hell breaks loose and people are dying. People are dying. But what happens? God dispersed and empowered and convicted people. They preached the word, and the church is no longer confined to Jerusalem. God, listen, God used what the enemy intended for evil, turned it to good, and the gospel spread like wildfire. Read the rest of the way through and see the movement of God in Corinth. Look at the movement of God in Ephesus. It's so powerful. Years ago, I was in Mozambique and had this guy named Carlos and he had been. He was young. He was younger than me, and I was young at the time. And and we were um, we were literally going out to the bush here in Mozambique, and we're preaching the gospel and just doing life together. And and I said, Hey, man, I've heard these stories of just 
mean, these massive open-air crusades and, like, people coming to Christ and demons being cast out of people and healings and miraculous stuff. He goes, oh, my gosh, yes, I was part of it. He starts just telling me these stories of these great movements, and he said, he said, we did that for like a year to two years. And this group of us, about eight people together, men, it was such a powerful, powerful season of watching God move. We loved every moment of it until starting in year two, we basically covered and canvassed the entire area. And he said, we started then going back to churches where we had been before. And every single person who had been set free was now oppressed again. And people who had given their lives to Jesus had fallen back as if it had never, ever happened. And he said, all of a sudden, it struck us. We were like struck cold in the moment saying, my gosh, we came and we preached and it was powerful, but we never discipled. And these people fell back out of faith and now actually were worse off than they were before. He said, that's why we separated it's why we went out our own direction. He said, that's why I'm with you. He said, those are all of my friends. We still talk about once a month. This was back, I think, before, like, texting, all that kind of stuff was such a big deal. Yes, I'm older than some of you, right? Is this a reality? And so he's like, we stay connected once a month. We come back over to Iris Ministries, and we do our things, right? He said, but I give my life every single day, to, or every single week to go, and I come home on the weekends. I'm like, man, that's just crazy powerful, right? What's the point behind that, Steve? Simple. It's beautiful to have these great moments. It's great to be all together. But the reality is you have to then go to those who are in need and disciple and to pray and to be with and to walk alongside with. If we just stay here in our holy huddle around a bunch of Christians and never separate ourselves and go to those who are actually in need and the world will die. And we're activated to be Jesus to them. Second, third thing we see here is hardship, difficulties, and persecution are continually experienced through Acts. It wasn't just an early church thing. It was an ongoing thing. As you go back on your own and read all the way to the end of chapter 28, just be aware of all the persecutions, all the hardships, all the difficulties. Listen, Peter is persecuted. You'll see that Peter is persecuted and ultimately killed. Paul is persecuted. Disciples are arrested and they're killed on and on and on. I look at Paul's description of his hardship in 2 Corinthians 1, 8, and 9 on the screen. It says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. It's a powerful statement. It's not easy being a Christ follower. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. This is his story. This is his story. I think I put on the screen. Yeah. So, listen. The cheap gospel. The cheap gospel sold. This is my writing here. Sold to many. It wasn't meant to be on the screen, but you get to have it. The cheap gospel sold to many. The church tells us, give your life to Jesus. He will make you happy. Fulfill your dreams. Give you comfort. He will protect you at all times. And then when all hell breaks loose, because we still live in a fallen world, you go, this is not the gospel I was sold. And the reason is simple. It wasn't the gospel. The gospel of Jesus is good news. I will be with you when you suffer. He says, when you suffer trials and temptations of many kinds, right, cry out to me. I will be with you. Jesus never promises everything's going to be like roses and like whatever. It's all going to be great times and then difficult at times. Just read through and see great breakthroughs. And in Ephesus, get there, chapter 19 of, of, of Acts, you see this incredible movement of God says to the entire province had heard 
of the name of Jesus, and then he is thrown into prison. It's one of the greatest moments of New Testament revival ever, and he's thrown into prison and persecuted. Guys, being a Christian should never be easy. It is never going to be a promise that everything is going to go perfect for you, and you're never going to suffer. The gospel, the story of Acts says, when we are activated and begin to give our lives away actively, there's a very real enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and there are those people in our world who hate the gospel and hate Jesus, so they will hate you. This is just a story. It's just part of it. What I want you to hear me say is this. Die to the false gospel and live for the real one. Live for the breakthrough, salvation moments of perfection where life is glorious and there are lots of roses and lots of ice cream because that's what I like, right? That's going to be great moments. And then you're going to have moments where you're going to be despairing of life. And those are both holy moments with God in your midst. This is the true gospel. Fourth, God can save anyone, anytime, from any place. God can save anyone, anytime, from any place. Here in the next set of verses from Acts chapter 8, God, air quotes, randomly sends Philip to meet an Ethiopian eunuch in his chariot and leads him to Jesus. Listen, I would love to know who that guy was. I bet the early church probably had an idea of who that was. We don't know who that was. People will guess all the time, but nobody knows. I'd love to know who that was. I have to guess if God did this and they named him, there was something important that he did. Something important that he did. It's powerful. Next chapter, God took the murderer's soul and supernaturally met him, convicted him, saved him, empowered and sent him. Acts chapter 9. If you want to feel better about yourself and about your own Christianity, just go read the story of soul sometime. I mean, at least you're not like beating down the doors of other Christians and ripping them out of their houses and then beating them, throwing them into the prison, and then like doing this when someone gets killed, right? Whoo, I'm not that bad, right? And then God says, you're a perfect candidate. You're a perfect candidate to be the apostle to every non-Jew in the world. I don't know about you, that gives me hope for myself, right? Literally. Where are you and where do you believe the enemy has a hold in your life? Good news, you're a perfect candidate to be saved, redeemed, and set free and empowered for the purposes of God. Amen. Right? Find yourself in the story. Find yourself in Peter's story. Acts chapter 10 and 11, Peter sent the first Gentile Cornelius, and he and his family are saved, Right? God can save anyone, any time, at any place. The Gentiles as a whole, anyone who, who is not culturally Jewish or a, a, a whole people group, never had a chance to respond to the gospel, Gentiles. And so chapter 10 all the way to the end tells the story of Peter and Paul preaching to, leading this unreached people throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, to the saving knowledge of Jesus. Anyone, anytime, anywhere, the book of Acts is one of God saving people from all backgrounds in every stage of life and empowering them for service. My hope is that in this activation, it fills us with hope that there is no one unreachable. There is no one unreachable by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God into salvation. It's a theme we see all the way through to the end. Fifth thing, 
We just see in the book of Acts, empowered people express the power of God. Right? Empowered people express the power of God. I don't want to ever make you feel guilty that you're not moving and expressing the power of God. It's never my goal. I don't want to shame you into anything. I don't want you to, I don't want shame to drive us. There's a difference between shame and honesty. Right? When I say honesty, I just want to simply say, do you have stories in your life of expressing the power of God and watching people be moved by it? Right? You're empowered people. You're an empowered people who can express the power of God. Here's the point. God doesn't shame you if you're like, I don't know if I have a story. He says, then welcome. Welcome to what's already true about you. You've been empowered by God's spirit. I don't shame you. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, you should have done better. Wasted your life. No, saying, Now's the perfect time to begin, to begin re- engaging the power of God, praying for the release of God's power, praying for healing, praying for salvation, praying for breakthrough, praying for prophetic words, praying that God would use the gift of evangelism to lead someone to Jesus, right? Using this gift of knowledge to say, I don't know this, but I just see this about you to be true, whatever it may be, right? Again, using the power of God because empowered people express the power of God. See, that's scary. Great. That means you can't do it in your own strength. If you're scared of something, it means you're a perfect candidate to say, I can't. God, only you can. Jesus, I want to pray for healing for this person, and that scares me for X, Y, and Z. But God, I thank you that your grace is enough to carry my insecurities, my shortcomings, and my failures. We have to get to that place. The mind of Christ speaks that the enemy says, oh, don't do that because it may really ruin the testimony and Jesus, whatever it may be, right? The enemy will lie to you all day long and say to do things you've been empowered to do already. I love the story of Philip here. Honestly, I just love Philip. How many of you watch The Chosen? Like, he's my favorite disciple. I'm not going to lie in The Chosen, man. It's like his personality, man. He's just a cool guy. So here God uses him to cast out demons, to heal the sick. And to perform other signs we're not fully told about. But all of these signs, like signs, what are signs? They're just actions that God does through you that point people to Jesus. That's all it is. Signs are like road signs. They just point to something, right? They point to Jesus. So the works that he did and the signs that he did, these supernatural works of Jesus, were just signs pointing to Jesus, right? And I love this. What happened in verse 8? It says, And joy came to the whole city. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that excites me, y'all. To know that the gospel of Jesus is so powerful and to do the works of Jesus. And I step in some place. Let's just say the whole classroom felt joy. The whole office felt joy. The whole church felt joy. Maybe the whole of Publix felt joy. I have no idea what it is, right? I just want this moment where we're saying, oh, my gosh, empowered people express the power of God to a people who need Jesus. And so we got stories to tell. It's power. Oh, it's so good. So good. As you read through the three missionary journeys of Paul, in that section, like from chapter 12 all the way to like 21, again and again, you see the works of God being expressed, signs being performed, people experiencing the fruit of God's Spirit again, especially in Acts chapter 19 and the move of God in the city of Ephesus. 
the heartbeat is clear. Just as they were carriers of God's power, so too are we. Just as they expressed the works of Jesus, so can we. And where we go in Jesus' name, we carry and have the ability to, to deposit the fruit of God's Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience down the line, just like they did. Just like they did. And last, again, it's not an exhaustive list, but the heart of Acts is the story of going. The story, the heart of Acts is the story of going. Jesus made it clear. He says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Again, it's a prophetic statement of Jesus about being a going people. A going people. And that's what we see in Acts chapter 8 through 21. Whenever you look at outlines of Acts in a Bible commentary, almost always they will say Acts 13 through 21 is Paul's missionary journeys, right? It's a journey. It's a going. Everything about, about Paul going to different cities, proclaiming the gospel, he is on the go. He's on mission, living life, right? We see Peter going in Acts chapter 9, 32 through 12, 25, right? With the story of the first Gentile convert, Cornelius and his family. Obviously, here we see the story of Philip going in chapter 8. Acts is about an empowered people actively walking in obedience, going to people who needed the good news of Jesus. And our takeaway is simple. They were and we are to be an active, empowered, going people. John Wesley used to say, he he said, I walk out the door, the world becomes my parish. The world becomes my people, becomes my place to go and share the gospel. I walk out the door. People, the world is my parish. It's where I go. It's my people. It's where I'm in church too. It's who I'm Jesus too. This is just Acts 8 through 28. Acts 1 through 7, a little bit different. It's going to be what it looked like in the very beginning. Right? Super fun. We're going to look at that for several weeks. Again, that formation is important, but you can't you cannot, you can't look at Acts 1 through 7 without keeping in the mind everything we just said about 8 through 28. All these pieces. Sent, empowered, true gospel. What does it mean to be a going people? Empowered, show power, whatever it may be. My hope is this. My hope is that we stop being just Sunday morning Christians who think church is about worship and a sermon. This is like 1% what Christianity is all about. Maybe even less than that. Because every single day, if every every single moment, every single day, and the sports team that you're on, the influence that you have, and the teams that you're a part of at work, and the people that you're engaging, whether it's in the education world, whether it's in the business world of some sort, whether it's in media, wherever you go, you are a sent human being empowered to bring power you're probably going to suffer and people will think that you're weird and that's fine. God is good. He is faithful and he's loving and he's for you. As we read chapter 1 through 7, the formation is super fun. It's super exciting. But we can't look at the super fun and exciting apart without remembering what happened in 8 through 28. They have to be married and that's why we covered it today. I encourage you to read it all on your own. With that, invite because Alex is going to come and lead in our time of ministry at the end. And how do we respond this morning? I don't know, one, ever how God is stirring inside of you. 
right? Whatever, ever how God is stirring inside of you, whatever you sense God doing, whatever point that I made this morning and God like took it to the next level and said, oh my gosh, he's speaking about you. Whether it's you have hope because there's someone you've been hopeless about, that you're praying for salvation, for breakthrough, for healing, whatever it may be, and there's hope this morning, pray into that. Maybe it's this morning, even yourself, just recognizing, man, I have been just kind of living as a Sunday Christian, but I have, listen, as Mark Nicewander wrote, no more spectators, man. We don't leave you spectators on the sideline anymore. We're going to be in the game, man, serving Jesus, giving our life, being an empowered people, giving our lives away, a going people, being confident as I... To share the good news of Jesus with somebody, it will produce fruit, whether today, tomorrow, or sometime down the road. Begin to pray for people. Maybe this morning you're like, Steve, I'm just in need of breakthrough myself. Ministry teams, as always, will be on both sides. We just love to pray for you this morning. These are just normal human beings just like you who love Jesus and want to love on you. We want to pray for breakthrough. We want to pray for healing, whatever it may be. So you respond as the Lord leads this morning. Communion's available every Sunday. Feel free to come and take communion to remember and to celebrate and receive the grace available through the communion elements that are here today. Jesus' body broken and blood poured out. So with that, let me pray for us and you respond as we go into this time of ministry. Father, you are good. You're faithful. And Jesus, we say come and have your way today, Lord.